Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of necrotizing fasciitis found under the dermatology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 45-year-old woman presents to the emergency department for severe pain of her left foot. She states that this has never happened before. Her symptom is accompanied by fever and generalized myalgias. Medical history is significant for type 2 diabetes mellitus. On physical exam, there is exquisite tenderness to palpation, erythema, palpable crepitus, and tense bullae. Surgery is immediately consulted. Let's continue with an introduction to necrotizing fasciitis. Clinically, it is defined as an infection of the superficial fascia that is life-threatening. In terms of its risk factors, these include diabetes mellitus, chronic corticosteroid use, alcohol abuse, and injection drug use. In terms of the etiology, it may be due to a polymicrobial infection, and this is most common as this makes up 70 to 80% of cases. These may contain both aerobic and anaerobic organisms. Examples of aerobic organisms are streptococcus species, most commonly. Examples of anaerobes would include bacteroides or peptostreptococcus. However, it may also be due to a monomicrobial infection. This is most commonly caused by group A streptococcus. In terms of the pathogenesis, there is an inciting infection at the tissue site which can be accomplished via hematogenous spread or direct inoculation. Then, the infection rapidly spreads, leading to vascular occlusion, which may cause ischemia and necrosis, and there may be crepitus in cases of gas-forming organisms, such as clostridium and anaerobic organisms. And in terms of the prognosis, remember that there is increased mortality and risk of amputation. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms may include severe pain, which is out of proportion to the superficial findings of the affected area, as well as a fever. And on exam, one may note tenderness to palpation, palpable crepitus, which is secondary to methane and CO2 production, erythema, bullae, blisters, or ulcers, cutaneous necrosis, and progression of disease despite antibiotic treatment. In terms of other imaging, Magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI, is indicated as it can be helpful to determine the extent of the infection. However, it should not delay antibiotics and surgical debridement. In terms of other studies, labs may demonstrate a severely increased C-reactive protein, increased creatine kinase, an increased white blood cell count, and blood urea nitrogen. Intraoperatively, one may obtain a gram stain in culture and a biopsy. And in terms of the diagnostic criteria, Remember that the diagnosis is based on clinical suspicion and confirmed intraoperatively with surgical debridement. However, remember that labs or imaging do not override clinical judgment. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about cellulitis, staphylococcus scalded skin syndrome, and gas gangrene. With regards to treatment, remember that the management approach involves prompt surgical debridement as the mainstay of treatment along with antibiotic treatment. In terms of medical treatment options, These include intravenous empiric antibiotics. These are indicated as a treatment component of necrotizing fasciitis directed against the likely organisms. For example, antibiotics that target group A streptococcus, gram-negative organisms, anaerobes, and methicillin-resistant staphylococcus aureus, or MRSA. Specific drugs may include meropenem or piperacillin tazobactam and vancomycin or linazolid. Meropenem or piperacillin tazobactam help to cover for group A streptococcus, gram-negative organisms, and anaerobes. 
while vancomycin or linazolid help to cover for MRSA. Other drug options include penicillin and clindamycin, which are the treatment of choice for known group A streptococcus necrotizing fasciitis. Operative treatment options include surgical debridement, which is a necessary component of treatment that also confirms the diagnosis. And lastly, complications related to necrotizing fasciitis include streptococcal toxic shock syndrome, compartment syndrome, myositis, and muscle necrosis. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to necrotizing fasciitis, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 40-year-old woman with a history of alcoholism presents to the emergency department complaining of extreme pain in her left leg for the past four days after falling while drunk. Vital signs are a temperature of 103.1 degrees Fahrenheit, a heart rate of 115 beats per minute, and a blood pressure of 108 over 74. Her leg demonstrates diffuse erythema and necrosis. Apart from those findings, on exam there is positive, severe tenderness of the left thigh and crepitus. Apart from IV fluids, what other treatment should this patient receive? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Culture the wound and wait for the results before initiating directed antibiotic treatment. Choice 2. Aggressive fluid resuscitation and serial renal function studies. Choice 3. Systemic prednisone treatment. Choice 4. IV penicillin and clindamycin. Or choice 5. IV penicillin and clindamycin and surgical debridement. The best answer to this question is choice 5, IV penicillin and clindamycin and surgical debridement. This patient has necrotizing fasciitis and should be immediately treated with IV fluid, empiric IV antibiotics, and surgical exploration and debridement. Broad-spectrum antibiotic coverage with IV penicillin and clindamycin is recommended until sensitivity-guided antibiotic therapy can be initiated. Necrotizing fasciitis is an infection of the skin and subcutaneous tissues that spreads along fascial planes. Most cases are polymicrobial, often involving multiple aerobic and anaerobic organisms. Patients present with severe pain and fever, and physical exam is often notable for crepitus if gas-producing bacteria are present, such as Clostridium perforingens. A study by Usatine and Sandy reviews several dermatological emergencies, including necrotizing fasciitis. They state that necrotizing fasciitis carries a poor prognosis, with an overall mortality rate of 25% overall and 70% in those with sepsis. Patients at risk include those with comorbidities, such as diabetes mellitus, vascular disease, alcohol or IV drug abuse, NSAID use, and a history of trauma. They describe that pain that is out of proportion to other physical findings is a classic finding that helps to differentiate necrotizing fasciitis from cellulitis. A study by Misiakos et al. describes the management of necrotizing fasciitis. They state that treatment should include medical management with broad-spectrum IV antibiotics, as well as surgical intervention with early drainage and debridement. The IV antibiotics chosen depend on the microbiological classification of necrotizing fasciitis. The use of a vacuum-assisted closure system improves recovery by promoting granulation tissue formation and aiding in the cleansing of the wound. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. 
Culture should be obtained in order to implement a directed antibiotic therapy based on the antibiotic sensitivity profile. However, immediate treatment with empiric IV antibiotics and surgical debridement should not be delayed. Choice 2. Aggressive fluid resuscitation and serial renal function studies would be appropriate in the setting of rhabdomyolysis, but it is not the recommended treatment for necrotizing fasciitis. Choice 3. Systemic prednisone treatment would be an acceptable treatment for bolus pemphigoid. However, systemic prednisone would be contraindicated in necrotizing fasciitis. Choice 4. Empiric IV antibiotics are recommended. However, they should be used in combination with surgical debridement. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 53-year-old man with type 2 diabetes mellitus presents to the emergency department complaining of the worst pain he has ever experienced in his right leg. He states that two days ago he cut his calf while working on the lawn. This morning he noticed a slight discoloration of his right calf. He says that although his leg does not look that bad, the pain is excruciating. Vital signs are the following. Temperature of 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit, heart rate of 102 beats per minute, and blood pressure of 124 over 82. Physical exam reveals a slightly erythematous and swollen distal right calf that is extremely tender to palpation. What is the most common causative agent for this condition? And the answer choices are, choice one, Bacteroides fragilis. Choice two, Vibrio vulnificus. Choice three, Group A streptococcus. Choice four, Methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus or choice five, Clostridium perforingens. The best answer to this question is choice three, group A streptococcus. This patient's presentation is consistent with necrotizing fasciitis. The most common agent for rapidly spreading cellulitis and necrotizing fasciitis is group A streptococcus. Necrotizing fasciitis is an infection of the skin and subcutaneous tissues that spreads along fascial planes. Most cases are polymicrobial, often involving multiple aerobic and anaerobic organisms. Patients present with severe pain and fever, and physical exam is often notable for crepitus if gas-producing bacteria are present, such as Clostridium perfringens, which would cause gas gangrene. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 1, 2, 4, and 5. Although these are all possible causes of necrotizing fasciitis, group A streptococcus is the most common causative organism. For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 32-year-old man presents to the emergency department complaining of excruciating pain of his left calf. He states that he was bitten by a spider three days ago. However, yesterday his calf became swollen, red, and extremely painful. His vital signs are a temperature of 102.8 degrees Fahrenheit, heart rate of 112 beats per minute, and blood pressure of 134 over 76. On exam, his distal left leg is swollen, extremely tender to palpation, and appears purple and dusky. You note crepitus is present. A biopsy is performed and demonstrates necrotic dense connective tissue between fat lobules. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are, choice one, deep vein thrombosis, choice two, thrombophlebitis, choice three, venous insufficiency, choice four, necrotizing fasciitis, or choice five, osteomyelitis.
The best answer to this question is choice four, necrotizing fasciitis. The most likely diagnosis in this patient with an extremely painful, swollen, and discolored left calf with crepitus is necrotizing fasciitis. The biopsy reveals necrosis of the dense connective tissue and confirms the diagnosis. Necrotizing fasciitis is an infection of the skin and subcutaneous tissues that spreads along fascial planes. Diagnosis requires a high index of suspicion as signs and symptoms are typically out of proportion to other physical findings. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Answers one through three. Deep vein thrombosis, thrombophlebitis, and venous insufficiency may present with a painful, erythematous, and swollen leg. However, this patient's extreme pain, rapid progression, and biopsy revealing necrosis is characteristic of necrotizing fasciitis. Choice five, osteomyelitis, an infection of the bone or bone marrow, may lead to focal pain, swelling, and erythema over the affected area, and fevers. However, necrotizing fasciitis is more likely in this patient with extreme pain rapid progression, and biopsy revealing necrosis of the deep connective tissue. That's all for this review about necrotizing fasciitis. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app, while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.